Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Podcast Network Asia. Initially, we started as a trading, but you know, for that matter, that trading, uh, there's like certain limitation because the product and technology that you sell is naturally not your own. However, we we got this opportunity wherein we can do R and D in terms of like this nanotechnology materials. And when we got that opportunity, of course, we took it. So we went to the US. Did our stuff, did our R&D work on like several projects and of course published. Went back here in the Philippines, that was in 2017. And primarily that's the, the problem. So we with the technology, with the knowledge right now, so how do you uh, convert it so that uh, we can commercialize uh, a product or a technology that would benefit the, the Philippines? So what we did, we look at like different uh, funding sources. Fortunate enough, there was actually one coming from the Department of Science and Technology. Mm -hmm. So what we did is actually we applied for a grant and we were fortunate to be part of the first 15 grantees of the startup grant coming from DOST. So way back then, there was no such thing as startup grant. And good evening, good afternoon, good morning to wherever you are watching from here in the Philippines or from all over the world. And welcome to my podcast, the RJ Ledesma Podcast. In my podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs to learn more about how they think about doing business. What are their success secrets? Can we replicate those success secrets in our own businesses? How have they innovated their businesses? during the pandemic times, and more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging in the new new normal? Is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please let me know. I would love to learn from them. Just drop me a message. Right now, we are also live on Kumu and YouTube. And before we begin a podcast, a little talk from my sponsor. Are you tired of bank transfer fees and low interest rates? Then if you are, say hello to our good friends from GoTime Bank. GoTime Bank offers interest rates 50x higher than traditional banks and offers free bank transfers to other banks per week. With GoTime Bank, you can make quick and easy transfers to other banks, plus enjoy higher interest rates of 3% per year on your savings. No minimum amount, no deposit caps, and no need to complete tasks or missions. Plus, as a Gokongway Group Bank, you can trust GoTime Bank to keep your money safe and secure. Download the GoTime Bank app today and experience the next level of banking. Or you can also visit uh, their website, www.gotime.com.ph for more details. Now, tonight, I have a very special set of guests. Uh, over the past three years, I've had a chance to host both live and virtually the Shell LiveWire event. Shell LiveWire is actually the flagship enterprise development program of Shell 
whose vision is to strengthen local economies by promoting entrepreneurship, innovation, and meaningful employment. And today we're very happy to have both people who are part of the Shell organization who have been the, at the forefront of the Shell Livewire program. We want to share with you a bit more, especially if you are an entrepreneur, how can you participate in the Shell Livewire program and how can they help you grow uh, your own startup business? So tonight we have, first of all, our guest from Shell. He's the Vice President of Corporate Relations of the Filipino Shell Petroleum Corporation, Serge Bernal, who has been an advocate for sustainable development and the transition towards cleaner and more efficient energy sources. Joining Serge is also formerly an engineer in the semiconductor industry. So now with more than two decades of expertise in research and development, we have Dr. Jerome Palaganas, who is the co-founder and CEO of Nanotronics. He was a guest formerly on the show, and he was one of the winners of Shell Livewire. His company, Nanotronics, is at the forefront of producing sustainable nanotechnology materials from highly renewable indigenous plants. And rounding out our guest here this evening, uh, when we were in college, we actually worked on the same college newspaper, the Lasallian. He was my editor-in-chief. And now I'm so happy to see he is in a startup that is passionate in aiding our farmer folk and now even our fisher folk. He is Henry Season, who designed and built Agro Digital PH. With his farming experience and success in running a profitable integrated organic farm, AgroDigital PH works towards its goal of allowing farmers to reach out directly to their markets, efficiently manage their production, and consolidate produce for themselves. Please welcome on my show, of course, we have here right now Serge Bernal, Henry Season, and Dr. Jerome Palaganas. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here today on the show. Really appreciate your presence here right now. Good evening, RJ. Nice Good to see all of you guys. Uh, and I find that Hi. actually part of the Henry here right now is joining us uh, all the way from Dumaguete, where he's expanding his services to uh, Fisherfolk. Henry, great job over there. Doc Jerome, where Thanks. are you coming up? Where are you where are you coming in from? Uh, I'm from Laguna, Pinya. Ah, Laguna. Yeah. Good evening to everyone. Good evening, guys. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. So let's get the ball rolling. And I want to go back to Serge. Serge, I know um the Shell Livewire has been doing uh, this program, not just in the Philippines, but all over the world. But can you give us a better perspective? What is Shell Livewire all about? And why is it crucial here in the Philippines? Why did Shell Philippines take on the job of bringing Shell Livewire over here? Uh, thanks, RJ. I think uh, you captured it uh, very, very well in your opening statement, right? I mean, you mentioned that this is uh, this is how we actually help the country with our commitment to building. So we... We are here to really support Filipino startups uh, to grow their business through uh, entrepreneurship training, uh, mentoring and coaching from Shell Livewire's business experts, both local and uh, abroad. So capital funding was capital funding is also supported and uh, and the link to businesses in our value chain. Now, why is this important? It's because I think in one of the sessions that we had earlier this year, it was really explained that uh, MSMEs comprise of about I think they employ 90% of the workforce. That's so right. it's it's really part of our um, commitment to help MSMEs uh, propagate so that we help the economy, you know, uh, further. Shell Livewire is a flagship program that's done not only in the Philippines, but all over the world. But for the Philippines, we've just uh, launched this back in 2020. But uh, since 2020, we've had already 400 local startups who've joined. Um, wow. And uh, a lot of those already um, with our value chain. Wow. 
So um, let's get into it a bit more when you talk about the value chain of Shell. But first of all, you actually launched, if you, if you, if you think about it, you launched Shell Livewire in the midst of the pandemic. Because in 2020, and they launched it, and, and you, I guess you decided to pursue it. What made Shell think that it was a good idea to do this in the midst of the pandemic? Well, to be honest, um, we've been we've always had the program even before Shell Livewire was launched. Yeah, it was only formalized in 2020 just to be able to get into the mainstream um, flagship program of Shell. But uh, you know, we've been here for 109 years, celebrating our 110th by 2024, and we've had the foundation, our Filipina Shell Foundation, for uh, 40 years already. So together with our foundation and uh, with all of our 24 terminals all over the country. We've always set up a program that will help the communities around the, the communities where we work in. So it's not new to us. Um, it just became bigger because now we have more funding from uh, um, the global, from Shell Global. And also we've opened up a lot of more opportunities when you talk about trying to get our participants or our entrepreneurs into our value chain. So if ever there is a difference, um, from what we've been doing before to what is happening now, it's probably more into getting them more involved in our value chain. Now, to your question about, sorry if it's a bit uh, uh, long-winded. Please go ahead, please go ahead. Yeah, for, to your question about why is it good to launch it during the the pandemic, I think it makes perfect sense because a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, the industry almost collapsed, right? Uh, the economy mm-hmm. almost collapsed. And as I mentioned, a lot of these, small budding entrepreneurs still wanted to make sure that you know how do you help them really um, pick themselves up in you know during the pandemic so uh maybe just for example just an example we have one that's called CBAP. this is a, a cooperative in Batangas who who creates safety uniforms for our plant so the pivot was since we were already in, in the pandemic how else can we help uh CBAP? and uh as it turns out Masks were, you know, were really a necessity then and even up to now. So what uh, the cooperative did was that they, other than creating or making uh, uh, safety shirts or safety uniforms, they also went into creating masks. And now these masks are now sold and distributed in uh, more than 100 stations that we have uh, across the country. If you see that, you know, it's it's we use our network and we use our connections and we use... um where the, the experts that we have to help the MSMEs. Got that. Now, talking about helping the MSMEs, you've been talking about the value chain. Uh, both Henry and, and Dr. Jerome have been uh, beneficiaries of that one. I, I just want to keep in mind, Dr. Jerome and uh, Henry, I want to just get a bit more into to the Shell Live Wire because many of the entrepreneurs here can benefit. Are uh, there many actually listening here, right? They're going, well, you were talking about actually funding the project. And for many of them, that's, that's a very important thing because Many of these entrepreneurs have been bootstrapping, meaning the money's been coming out. They've been shelling out of their own pocket, hopefully, if they join Shell Livewire. Uh, can you help us better understand what is the actual cash component to maybe it might be a motivation for many of them to join? Uh, what do they actually get if they become part of it? If they just join, do they already get some sort of financial subsidy or do they have to win to be able to get part of the uh, uh, financial uh, help from Shell? So there's... Um... So it starts off with, uh, of course, the support, right? As we are, as you register, there's already a, a financial support for your startup, and there's also technical support because we run um, seminars uh, that are uh, uh, facilitated by both local and uh, um, experts from uh, our global network. It gets bigger 
of course, when you win. And when you win, the price, the prize money is about is half a million pesos. So that really gets, you know, boosts wow. your, your, uh, company or your startup to maybe even expand faster. Yeah. And this is, this is equity free. I mean, you just give 500,000 pesos. Shell doesn't take any equity in the company. No, we don't. Ah, okay. Fantastic. But I think what's, what's also more important there is how will the MSME or the startup be able to get integrated in our value chain? Yes. Huh? And I want to ask, um, so what does it exactly mean that, you know, the startup that you're looking for gets integrated into the shell value chain? So that means that, you know, at once you're able to make sure that they have a client. Uh, you are that you are their B2B client. Is that correct? Yes. So that's part of the design uh, because that already ensures that the winner um, has an automatic customer, right? And uh, with our breath and uh, our history in this in this country, we we need to make sure that you know our partners survive with us through the next one hundred years. So when you talk about trying to when you talk about our value chain, uh, it's really in energy, renewable energy, environment, and sustainability, and and everything that has to do with the uh, local prosperity. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, sorry, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start, you know, before I pass pass on the mic, uh, Serge, you know, we, you, you know, when I look at uh, later on, you when you hear about companies like Henry's Agro Digital and Nanotronics, they're very highly tech oriented. But earlier on, you were saying, you know, the other company was actually they were they were manufacturing actually uh, clothes, and then they went to math. So that that is not so highly technical. What exactly are the type of entrepreneurs are, are you looking for to participate in Shell Livewire? Well, it's actually anything we have because our our business spans a lot. You know, it, it spans across several industries. Um, so we have retailing, which is uh, the example that I gave earlier. Um, in that way, if if your product or if something that you do makes sense in our retailing business, then you get integrated there. If it's something that has to do with our manufacturing, uh, or sorry, not manufacturing, but some distribution, we already closed on our uh, our refinery. Sorry. Um, in our distribution model, then you get integrated there as well. Um, or in distributing, for example, our products. If uh, there's a, um, a program there that digitizes that, I think uh, um, ne- next phase into that, right? Maybe the best way to put it is that for as long as you touch lives, just like how our products do, then uh, there is always a way to integrate your products, your business into our value chain. And what have been the businesses aside from nanotronics and, and digital agro digital that have been successfully integrated? You talked about one of them earlier on, which is the masks. Are there any that you're particularly fond of that, that you liked when they were able to become part of the shell value chain? And you've seen how their businesses have scaled greatly because of their participation in the value chain. Okay, so I can give you two examples. One is uh, Suds Sustainable Pods. Um, I remember so them. The- I, I remember <laughs> them. Yeah. From the last uh, Shell Livewire. Yes. There you go. So uh, this is a water-soluble um, pods hand wash. Uh, so right now they supply, uh, you know, um, all our hand washes in uh, in all of our stations, uh, in all of our assets, uh, including our head office here in the finance center. Paano kung masaktan ako? Paano kung mag-try ako? Pero paano kung mag-fail? Hello, I'm Joelle, introducing my podcast, Paano Ko. Together, let's explore all kinds of possibilities, whether it's about the debt, love, relationships, kawasakaan, or just life in general. New questions, new episodes every Tuesday and Friday at 6 p.m. 
Tara, let's discover and find the answers to the many paano kongs of life. Powered by Anchor and only on Spotify. So, so, so that's one. The other is uh, bambuhay. Um, so we've integrated bambuhay. It's it's um, they create um, sustainable toothbrushes that uh, with uh, seeds that are embedded in the in the stem, so or in the handle. So as soon as you're finished with the using your um, your toothbrush or to done it, maybe after three months, right? It's a normal time. You break the stem in half, and there are seeds inside. And then you plant. Sorry, actually, you don't even need to break it. You plant the toothbrush in a pot, and it grows into a tree. So, and that's also how we help the environment. Fantastic. And there are, are other uh, like here. Yeah, agro-digital and of course, uh, nanotronics. Nanotronics. This can help you, it can help you, bamboo can help you grow new teeth as well. No? Sayang naman, that would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, but okay lang yan, okay lang yan. Uh, yeah. poor, 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 poorly timed joke. But thanks again so much, Serge. Um, I right. want to go to two of our participants there, kay, kay Dr. Jerome, who's been on the show before, and to Henry. I want to start off with Dr. Jerome. Dr. Jerome, I know that you were actually the recipient. You were you were an awardee, right? You were a Shell uh, Live by awardee for what year again? 2020, the inaugural. Ah, you know, I remember that right now. <laughs> so you got 500,000 pesos as as a as, as, uh, as, as a benefit of, of winning the competition. Mm-hmm. And right now, what is your contribution inside that Shell ecosystem or Shell value chain? Okay, so my contribution is that uh, because of the opportunity given to me, so we, we develop actually our sustainable uh, biomaterials for packaging. And of course, there are like many uh, clients or alumni of Shell Ibar. So we have like part of our clientele today, today it's uh, some of the alumni of uh, Shell Ibar. So it really gave us a lot of opportunities, by the way, to expand. Great, fantastic news. Let me go to Henry. And for you, Henry, you guys also won as well, right? You also won Shell Live Wire. What year? Again? That's right. The following, the following year, 2021. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to two winners. I'm talking to two uh, half a million winners of, of, of Shell. And in your, in your yeah. case, how, the, how were you integrated into the Shell ecosystem? So primarily, we focused on getting uh, produce actually from our farming community. So definitely for farmers and fishers, they don't usually have enough capital to wait for the usual terms. So really, it, it, it went into revolving capital to sustain our communities. It's really more for that. Uh, but we do have plans of integrating ourselves in the Shell ecosystem, primarily their communities. Actually, So there are a couple of communities in Batangas and uh, among one uh, among them would be one of those who actually, actually they manage a landfill. No, um, And it's particularly interesting because apart from agro-digital, we're also looking at solutions for waste recovery. Fantastic. So I'm, I'm so glad that it's become sort of like a, a springboard for you guys to actually expand the businesses. Um, and just like any entrepreneur, your network is your net worth. So the network here was actually uh, not just the Shell ecosystem, but it's also the alumni who came to the Shell library because you've got great, you got people like NextPay, uh, you have people like um, AllCare and Sprout Solutions, all these different startups who help build uh, the local tech startup ecosystem solving issues. Now, having said that one, I want to ask you right now uh, another question, and I'm going to go back to, to Dr. Jerome. You know, it's it's a bit difficult to explain your product to people. So if we can, no, um, can we sort of give the, the you know, like I said, when, uh, when my dad was still alive, you know, he was a 70, 78-year-old guy 
and I had to explain these concepts to start what the startup business was. How can we, I guess, how can we make it more easy to understand for somebody much more mature than us or, you know, who, who don't have an understanding? What does nanotronics do? Okay, so in nanotronics, uh, what we do is actually we produce key materials. So this would be an ingredient right now of like several industries for that matter. So for instance, in packaging, uh, we are the key materials today for coming up with sustainable packaging materials. When I say sustainable, this is now a replacement for plastics or our fossil-based plastics. So we have developed in the past several months already since last year, like three or four of our uh, biomaterials where in fact we have launched already those. And of course, we're trying to market it such that of course we expand and we contribute in terms of minimizing or actually trying to come up with uh, the reduction of plastic waste, which we know for a fact that this is a problem. And also we, we have with the same technology or the nanotechnology products, uh, we are able actually to come up with another application. So one of the applications, it's actually anti-corrosion coating. So if you add our uh, product, of course, it created another application, not just in the packaging industry, but now it goes into power industries or it, it could be mm -hmm. used by another industry. And the third that we actually have an application right now with the same nanomaterial, it becomes part and component of 3D bioprinting. So imagine this goes into medical and that uh, 3D bioprinting can now produce a scaffold, which is actually the one that holds cell. So it is good for tissue engineering or actually try to grow artificial skin. So the artificial skin by our client would be used later on for testing. So they don't need animals anymore to do like a cosmetic testing. Got that. Uh, Doctor, I have a question because you have a strong research background, basically. You have, a, you have a science background and an engineering background. And you chose to go into, well, I would consider this becoming an engineering field. Usually the concern that we have with people who have a technical background is that they're so good with the technology. But sometimes it's technology. You create a product, but it's a product looking for a solution rather than a solution. Uh, rather than your product is the solution, you have a solution, but it's still looking for your product, but it's still looking for a solution to solve. How, how did you first approach this one? Uh, were you like that when you were starting off? You were stumbling towards, you know, creating really great products, but you weren't you weren't too sure if they were solving anything or if they were specific for anything at the start? Because I think that that's often the experience of many people, such as in, in your background. Uh, yes, that's true, RJ. It's actually uh, one of the challenges of, uh, of course, those who are highly technical or actually um, more into technology. However, in my case, uh, as I've shared before, I have like both backgrounds. So though I am into engineering and technology as well, I have the other background into business and management. So I've, I've done it on my early years. Technically, my um, technology or engineering background, which I got a PhD, is more recent as compared to my business background. I see, so, I see. So that balances. So for me, I look at the other way around. So if clients are coming to me and then, of course, uh, I look at what are their problems or, or if there are like commonalities right now. So for instance, before, I didn't take a look really of having the, the biomaterials, but since there are already like three clients knocking on our door, and of course, I said, 
why is it that I'm not doing this? So I uh, focus and of course try to concentrate, have our product first to come up with the biomaterials. Now, since we have already developed this and there is like a good opportunity, not just serving the three clients, but of course the market, which is the FMCG market. And we know for a fact that packaging it's one of the major contributors in terms of like waste after, you know, we use any product for that matter. Get that. So when you were starting off doing, uh, when you were starting to doing nanotronics, it's great to hear that you have both a science and engineering and, and a business background. Doing research like this one requires a lot of, uh, you know, funding. And we talked about bootstrapping earlier on. How exactly were you able to start off this business, which, which for me, uh, because it's technical and requires a lot of research and maybe perhaps equipment, how did you get started without, you know, uh, given the capital that you had? Mm-hmm. That's a very good question, RJ. So uh, initially we started as a trading, but, you know, for that matter, that trading, uh, there's like certain limitation because the product and technology that you sell is naturally not your own. However, we, we got this opportunity wherein we can do R&D in terms of like this nanotechnology materials. And when we got that opportunity, of course, we took it. So we went to the U.S., did our stuff, did our R&D work on like several projects and of course published, went back here in the Philippines. That was in 2017. And primarily that's the, the problem. So we with the technology, with the knowledge right now, so how do you uh, convert it so that uh, we can commercialize uh, a product or a technology that would benefit the, the Philippines? So what we did, we look at like different uh, funding sources. Fortunate enough, there was actually one coming from the Department of Science and Technology. Mm-hmm. So what we did is actually we applied for a grant and we were fortunate to be part of the first 15 grantees of the startup grant coming from DOSD. So way back then, there was no such thing as startup grant. And because of the success of the program, uh, given to us as the first batch, uh, we were actually 15 tech startups. Now, it has been like a regular basis from the Department of Science and Technology. So it's an annual already that they're giving up the startup grant. So we, the startup grant that we receive, we, we, we started our pilot facility in, in Laguna. Again, and, uh, with, you know, uh, luck going to our side, even though we're still starting our pilot facility, we got already a client who purchase to us uh, our product even before we have our pilot facility. So from there, wow. yeah, it's really a lot of like series of fortunate events happening. Great. But what I see from you, it's really a lot of discarte. It's not just the technology. You have to go out and hustle and, and really you know, look for the money, look for the funding, look for the, for the grants, Diva. Right? Yes, that's true. So you really have to do the hustle and then think outside of the box. Really great, really great story, Dr. Rome. Thanks so much for telling us the nanotronic story. I'm going to move on now to Henry. And this is the interesting thing also about Henry. I know Henry, Henry for many years. Um, I'm glad to see that we still look like how we look like in college, though, Henry. That's just wishful well, thinking for us. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, Henry's got a computer science background. And I know that you worked for a consulting firm, Henry, for many, many years. That was your background, right? And there That's are right. entrepreneurs yep. also who are, here, who are here right now saying, you know, um, I am in a professional career, but they want to jump into entrepreneurship. What was that for you? Uh, you know, you 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 had established your name in 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 your in your chosen career, yet you gave it up to go to entrepreneurship, uh, which for many people is uncertain. You know, what was that? I guess walk me through the time. What was that, what were the motivations? What led you to do that jump? 
All right. Yeah. So uh, it's a it's a very interesting story because it's just a matter of you know one of those odd days. So I was actually in corporate for almost uh, two and a half decades. On my uh, sometime in twenty uh, two thousand and eight. So maybe I was about thirty six years old. I was spending a usual weekend wherein you I take photographs as well as play the PlayStation. And then it just occurred to me I was going to get for uh, I was going to be forty and. Well, I asked myself, uh, what significant thing I have done to help society? And then that was a, it was a very quick midlife crisis. Uh, and the answer there was basically, I'll go into agriculture, not knowing that it was a very complex field relative to IT. Yeah. So, um, so we built, uh, an organic farm. So we actually started from orchids and then about two, three years after, uh, went into organic farming in around 2011, uh, focusing on uh, on layers, so that's eggs and then native pigs, as well as um, uh, free-range chickens, uh, which is something that we've already, well, we're still continuing up to today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, most of our clients are in, uh, in Metro Manila. Now, um, as a realization of this own experience, we had problems monetizing goods, especially when you work with uh, distributors or with middlemen. We're not saying that everyone is evil, but you know uh, the odds are actually stacked against farmers and fishers. Um, we're just lucky that I was actually a professional and could manage my own. But for the most part, these communities of uh, farmers and fishers are usually uh, disenfranchised. So we said, so we asked ourselves, um. Mm, what do we, what do large companies or large companies in agriculture have that smallholders do, do not have? And that's basically one capital and two, most of the large companies control the entire value chain. So from the time that they're inputs all the way to those things that are sold. So we said, okay, how do we get capital? Um, so in this case, we try to cluster, uh, smallholder farmers so they can, we can consolidate the capital and, um, we approach it, uh, we approach this differently by, sewing together a series of cooperatives and associations to build its own value chain. And, and that's where, you know, I think... It was all mano-mano to start. I mean, there's, there's just no tech... No, no, no tech. Well, I'm, I'm asking... There was not tech, no technology. It's just that there was a problem you just saw, which is that... Uh, uh, it's a problem... Actually, we, we, we led with a technology solution. Ah, I see. We led with a technology solution. So in, in 2019, we already had the solution, but we had problems with adoption. Because you know we're tech guys, how do you how do you get the the farmer or the fisher try digital, right? And and that's where we've actually focused for the past three years. Uh, we are very grassroots. 
we believe that we need to go manual first. Then we teach them why they need to go digital. Yeah. So that has been our forte. It's really building communities. Um, if there are livelihood uh, programs or interventions that are needed, uh, we work with the local government units. We work with the line agencies to give them that livelihood and then integrate them into our value chain. Okay. I, I want to go back a bit in your story because I think many people can relate to that. I mean, um, that's right. When you hit your, when you hit, when you're about to hit your 40s, I'm sorry, Sister Serge, wala pang 40 yan eh. But then when you hit your, when you hit your around your 40s, you, you do get that life. I, I got, I went through the same sort of midlife crisis, yeah. no? When you put up the, those orchids and you started your, your, I mean, you were a total amateur. You had, you had no nothing. How did you transition from, let's say, full-time consultant to becoming full-time entrepreneur? Did you, did you just do a side hustle for the orchids and the organic farm? Or did you just jump ship altogether and, and get into... Oh, it was a long and winding road, RJ. So you really, so you needed an income, a source of income. So obviously you need to focus on what is, what the deliverables are required of you during the time. Having said that, weekends, instead of just playing the PlayStation or, or going for a photo trip, we basically did, did research. So I did research in terms of culture of orchids for one. You know, so very unlikely na mabakit, you know, off shadow. But anyway, it's orchids and then going into food. Uh, food production using the organic way. I'm not exactly a fan of those who market things and then they build a startup because they, you know, they, they know how to talk. I, and for some, so I, I think I do have the background in terms of, or the experience to say, well, I did agriculture and that's almost 12 years or so. Even if my, as a professional, I'm, I was in IT. For me, it's important that you do understand what business you're, you're going into. And, you know, you cannot guess it. You cannot wing it. <laughs> uh, at some point in time, you will stumble and, and make bad decisions. For us, um, it's, it's been, uh, you know, uh, a journey of constant refinement, especially when we want to engage our, uh, uh farmer and fishing communities. For instance, um, uh, local language is very important in, in communicating with, uh, you know, with, with these farmers and fishers. So it, it's something that we have actually gained across the years. And we refine that. And then armed with that type of information, then um, somehow it's easier to basically get people uh, onboarded. Got that. I want to just ask, how exactly do you describe agro-digital? Is it, did you help develop an, it's not, it's not exactly an app, really. It, it's, it's, a, it's a whole solution. So what was the basic, pro- I can I understand so we can get, in, so people can understand also the thinking of the entrepreneur. What was the problem that you initially came to solve? Ah, and okay. what was the first yeah. thing that you created to, to solve that issue? And then I guess, how did it uh, iterate from there? No? Okay, yeah. Um, so now we have a different tagline. So we're actually there to, to uh, produce affordable food. You know, in a nutshell, that's what we're trying to do. Why? Because of the imperfections of the food value chain, usually our producers are getting a lot less uh, money for their, for their efforts. Where consumers, uh, they have to pay a lot. You know? um, even here in Negros, I was quite surprised that Ampalaya is 120 pesos, right? Um, it's amazing. Like if, let's say if you are just a daily wage earner and you know that the daily wage is actually a lot less than Metro Manila, how can you actually afford buying Ampalaya and vegetables? And, and it is important that people actually get good nutrition. And good nutrition cannot be, has a price, right? And if it's, if it's expensive, then obviously forget about nutrition. Um, and it's complex, and it's, it's actually a very complex problem. And the thing was, a lot of my our com- contemporaries during that time, around 2017, 2018, were really focusing on e-commerce, right? 
unfortunately for food produce, hindi siya ganun ka straightforward yung <laughs> yung e-commerce for food. Because one, it's perishable. Two, you're not talking about a manufacturing uh, outfit, no? like uh, in consumer goods, wherein if they say, oh, it's like 20 tons of this kind of product, it will be there. You're talking about nine and a half million farmers and fishers, uh, each one with its own, well, each one whom they have their own experience, each way of doing businesses. No? Um, and and we, need, well, we needed to basically factor that in when we came up with the solution. And we said, we cannot just rely on a marketplace. It, we have to go deeper. And that's the reason why we kind of built the digital platform that actually supports production management, forecasting, um, diba? and the entire, entire shebang until consolidation. We have a platform for consolidation and even, and, and even logistics. Um, it was a whole solution that... Exactly, exactly. We, we had to actually sew things all together. Because um, if we left it to a, a marketplace, then there was no differentiator for us. We're just per- perpetrating the old system. If we were going to come up with our own way of doing business, we had to, we had to actually build our own infrastructure. Got that, got that. Hi, he's Chico Garcia. And he's Gino Killiamore. We're the hosts of Only Fun. In our podcast, we explore the boundaries of our pleasure. And test the limits of our pain. It's business in the front. And party in the rear? Wait, wait, what? what? Wait, we, we talk about shows that we watch that might, you know, be entertaining for everyone else, right? Yep, that's what I said. Check out our podcast. New episodes out Wednesdays and Fridays. <laughs> no drama, only fun. And then the last thing I want to talk about, which is very interesting, and it's also coming out through the talk of, of Dr. Jerome, no, was that uh, you have, I mean, there is a sort of a, it's an advocacy to it all. Because I often say, especially for the Gen Zs and the millennials, you know, unlike when we were growing up, probably Dr. Jerome Henry and Serge, you know, we would just buy products because they were, they were great products. But nowadays, people want to make sure that when they buy something, it's meaningful and relevant in, a, in, a, in their own little way. And that, you know, if I buy it in my, in my own little way, it changes the world or improves the world. Uh, Henry, I mean, when I look so when I look at what you guys are doing right now, it's sort of like, I, I think of it na parang you have a strong why behind it, like what Simon Sinek said, right? How did you, I mean, it's it's not common, you know, it's not common to say I'm going to do this product because it, it, there's a there's an advocacy behind it. How do you marry, I guess, that idea of, you know, social entrepreneurship and advocacy with the idea that, hey, I'm still making a good living. I guess many people are thinking of that as well, especially at our age, if you do a social enterprise together with, is it also a profitable industry at the same time as I do social enterprise? Oh, yes, definitely. When we come up with solutions and business models, we need to float everyone's boats. Because the people in the industry, they're the ones, they're very self-centered, I would say. Um, they don't exactly care whether, you know, they mow down people along the way. Um, it's, uh, well, just to be frank, and that's how, how agriculture is. It's to each man to himself. So we wanted to make sure that um, farmers teachers, have equal, you know, have equal say in the way that they, let's say, price their goods, or they can decide where they want to actually uh, sell their goods and which customers to serve. Um, it's it's really more of trying to equalize the, you know, equalize the system such that they they have their own voice. Got that. Now I I want to go back a bit more to Doc Jerome now at the same time, and and I guess both Henry and Doc Jerome, and it's the idea also of the perception of you know doing a business like this one that failure is almost inherent because as you can see like when I talking to Henry I mean the first model was not I mean akala mo technology problema it's adoption 
to something ang daming parang failure is built in. And Dr. Jerome, I don't know also in, in, in nanotronics, the same way where you're in your field. How are you supposed to perceive failure, especially when you, when you have sort of engineering and uh, science background? Do you perceive it just a series of failed experiments leading towards uh, a better solution? How, how are entrepreneurs supposed to uh, take failure, especially uh, in these fields? I, I want to know your thoughts. In our case, so for, for me, for instance, so for failure, uh, just allow it. A uh, long time ago, just to share, I, 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 I did my very first uh, venture, but it failed. Why? It is because I am not thoroughly, as what uh, Henry said, research on the market. I just go on the bandwagon since this is like mm. the fashion right now. And of course, I jump into it without having really the thoughts. And uh, going back to nanotronics, we didn't start it with nanotechnology. Uh, if you would look at our history, we, we started as a trading company, but way back then, we, still the focus is into innovation. We're, in, we're trying to bring in advanced materials for semiconductor and electronics. We were successful for like a very short period of time, but it's not really sustainable. So we have to really think of what could really be like a very innovative product that there will be like, you know, uh, we will be the first in the market. If not, we create another market. And then having that thought, then we really try to dig deep and uh, see what could be that technology. And fortunate enough, I, I was actually introduced into material science and then that material science became polymer science and the polymer science introduced the idea about nanotechnology. Now, once we have the nanotechnology, I look at, oh, we have so many like materials or uh, natural resources in the Philippines. Why not we use those instead of using the ones so that we will not be importing, but we will be using indigenous plants as which we have here in the Philippines and then try to maximize. And then later on, uh, I, I, we, we saw like different opportunities. So coming just from one product, there are like several uh, derivative products, which I've already discussed and shared uh, mm-hmm. early on. And it gave us a, a lot of opportunities right now. So just try to hear the problems coming from uh, the, the different clients or when we do like a, a exhibition, there are so many people uh, trying to give us like an, an idea. If there's like commonality, then therefore we go for it and then see if there's like a bigger market out of that. And true enough, that will be like, you know, a big market. So just uh, try to hear the voice of your customer. And I'm pretty sure that you will be like, more successful in terms of like launching the product or doing the iteration than just hearing yourself or just having, you know, the, the concept, the product, the technology just built within and it's not aligned to the market. Exactly. So that, that's perfect. I mean, again, it, it's a product market fit and keeping your ear to the ground and listening to the customer. What I actually really appreciate is the idea that you were saying that when you when you came up with the product, it was the idea that you combine both the entrepreneurial mindset, that, that lens of opportunity of seeing things. At the same time, sort of your business background, parang, okay, there's an opportunity here to develop this one. And scientifically, there's something else available here. Let me marry that both and find that opportunity. And I guess that, that's what's great about, you know, sometimes entrepreneurs, you, you, draw, you, you draw from your own background and see uh, what products you can create. And 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 Henry, for you, I mean, failure has been actually part of the DNA, I guess, of agro digital because ah, yes. you've had several versions. Yeah. In fact, your tagline has changed several times until uh, exactly that's right. Years. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Yeah, it's it's really a matter of changing with the times, adapting, you know, swinging with the punches. All 
Um, it's never easy to accept failure, but the thing is you need to change. If you want to succeed in life, then you should adapt. I mean, it's really survival of the fittest. Got that, got that. And I want, I want to go back to Serge here right now. Serge, you know, the thing that I noticed about both of them, which is very interesting, is that both of their products seem to have an advocacy towards nation building. I mean, okay, Henry, you can, it's a, it's, it's, I can see it very, very clearly in a, He's helping the fisher folk and, and, the, and the farmers grow their businesses. Kai, Kai Doc Jerome, it's all about, you know, how can we take indigenous material and replace them uh, in technology so that we don't have to source abroad. Is this something that was sort of intentional for Shell Livewire to, to get this type of, of, of uh, brands which have some sort of, I guess, I would call it nation-building components to become part of Shell Livewire? Well, um, RJ, first of all, I'm really amazed and inspired by, you know, people like Dr. Jerome and Henry. I mean, this is, as you keep on saying earlier, you know, failure is inherent in what they do and they're still doing it uh, because of the passion that they have. Now, to answer your question, it's probably more of a, our concept of nation building is really on how can we impact the communities um, where we really, where we operate. So, and, and uh, having, Participants as, as, uh, you know, as our esteemed speakers here is more of an accident than anything else, but it's something that we would really like to explore going further because it's, it's really bordering on the things that are, um, indigenous and also, um, innovative, which is essentially what, uh, also Shell stands for. I got that really, but it's what a, what a nice, what a fantastic coincidence or very serendipitous that these are the products, uh, which have been coming out. And I just want to ask, uh, Serge, you know, I mean, you've had the benefit of seeing not just the successful products like what Henry's done in 2022 or Dr. Jerome, but across, I mean, across the different countries which have this program. And you've seen all the applicants to the program as well. Have you seen certain common denominators across any of the startups who have joined that you think, uh, can help other entrepreneurs? I mean, what have you seen that, uh, that made them successful or, startups with, with, with potential? What would you like to share that you've seen? I think if there's anything common with all of our entrepreneurs, it's really their penchant for solving problems. Yeah. Um, whether it's something that's uh, as urgent as uh, what you need during the pandemic or just something that, uh, just like what Henry is saying, um, how do you help, you know, how do you help the farmers without being stuck in the same system? So, it's it's something that's uh, as again again you know it's it's very inspiring because it's uh, it's born most I think it's born out of uh, necessity, which is the mother of invention. But I think more importantly, it's also what's really important is the the ability to be able to help communities. That's that's what's really important. So the way we look at it, and when we talk about supporting the communities, it's really about creating jobs. And livelihood for the underprivileged sectors in the communities. I think earlier it was mentioned that uh, Henry was saying that uh, they are supporting an IP community, which is the same for I think most of our most of our participants in this program. So that alone creates a huge impact. In the last three years that we've run LiveWire, I believe in our in our counting and the way we count it is we've already generated I think at least for those. Participants that joined the, um, this program, we've already created 500 jobs, which is huge if you think about it. Really great. And I just want to flash here on how, how can you participate here, Serge? Um, uh, I know that the Shell Live Wire for this year is finished. Uh, but I'm oh, sorry, we're 2020, we're 2023 now. 
<laughs> just remember I hosted last year Shell Livewire so we've got a new set of winners this year tell us a bit more for the people who want to join Shell Livewire this year how can they participate and as we say that one we're going to flash you right now on the screen the application the website that they can visit at the same time that's shell.com.ph slash livewire uh, search can you tell us how people can participate in what are the qualifications that uh, aspire at least to be a part of it well, registration never ends. It's it's a full year program, so you don't actually miss a uh, registration date. Uh, maybe what you only miss is uh, the the awards program for this year, but you can always uh, register I for think. the following year. So it's a full year program, as you mentioned. And I think the website is up there. I can see it. Just go to the website, uh, click on this link, and you'll find the application form there. Uh, and and this is open to anybody who has a startup concept, or does it have to be running, or can they go there with just the idea and then they come in and and uh, Shell will help them flesh it out. Well, what, what, is, would, what exactly do they go through in the program if they get to join? It has to have some proof of concept, which means it has to be running. Because uh, an idea in itself, it's it's going to be very difficult, as uh, Doc Jerome mentioned. Uh, and I think, and this is very common to a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of uh, inventors. You'll probably fail ten times before you get, you know, before you get a a, a working model. And if you just come to us. Uh, um, with just an idea, then I think probably it's bound to fail. But uh, we'd, we'd rather that you'd have a working model so that uh, um, it's easier to really integrate easily to the value chain. RJ, I just wanted to mention that we did not make the first tier. <laughs> wow. So we, we, we applied in Livewire on the first tier. We didn't make it. <laughs> but we did make but it on the second tier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I guess the story over here, no? Exactly. So I guess sometimes you just have to you just have to be persistent. Yeah. There you go. That's what that's what makes you really good. Sell live wires. Please go ahead. You were saying. Yeah, that's that's why that's why we have people like Dr. Jerome and Henry because they're really you know they're really persistent. They have uh, uh, the uh, you know the brains for it and also the uh, the heart and the passion to do the things that they do and they don't stop trying. Yeah, that's what the, you know, the, this is why they're there and I'm an employee. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I just want to say, as, as, as I was listening to them, there's, there's things I have to realize. You know, I mean, uh, you know, Doc Jerome and Henry are both very smart individuals, but I mean, intelligence alone isn't the main marker for succeeding entrepreneurship, as you can see. Uh, there was also the hustle because Doc Jerome, if you think about it, it was a trading company, right? just to create the cash flow and they started over there. So yes. the hustle was over there. And, and aside from that one, uh, another key thing that I think that really came out from them, aside from the hustle, is really there, there's a certain advocacy to it as well. Uh, especially during the pandemic, I often tell people, if you didn't have that uh, why behind it, because there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's no, there's no stronger drive, it, right? there has to be some sort of drive. I'm not just doing it for myself or for the money. I'm doing it for, for something better. Uh, and I think that that's what makes many of us uh, actually survive and thrive. And having said that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start wrapping up this discussion. But I want to go back again to, to, to Doc, with Doc Jerome and to Henry. And you know what? Uh, you guys have had a quite a journey getting here entrepreneurially. You're still going through it. Um, but if you were to sort of distill the best pieces of management advice, maybe two to three pieces of management advice to upcoming entrepreneurs as well who, who are trying to grow their businesses, who are trying to get capital, who are trying to get into Shell Livewire. What would be your key pieces of advice so that you know they could they can hack 
what you guys did to get to your level right now. Let's start with Dr. Jerome. So for me, my uh, piece of advice is that uh, number one, be hungry and then be foolish. So don't assume that despite that you have the education or the background, you know everything. So you, you have to make it in a point that you want to know everything. And of course, there's still a room for improvement. So there's always, you know, room for improvement and continuous improvement and growth. And then uh, the next one, it's more of like thinking differently. So why think differently? Because if everybody is like going on the same path and then there will be like a lot of players already in the industry. And then how would you manage yourself in terms of trying to have differentiation at the same time, you know, how to, to move forward? But if you think differently, you can create a whole new market and, of course, try to build that market. And as what I have, you know, experienced, uh, this new market right now creates a lot more opportunities for me than trying to go to like a mature or existing market as well. So that will be like my piece of advice for those uh, who would like to go that entrepreneurial journey. Got that. Stay hungry and foolish and think differently. Really great piece of advice. Thanks so much, Dr. Jerome Palaganas. Uh, the 2020, 2020 winner uh, of, uh, of the Shell Livewire. And yes. uh, Henry, what is your piece of advice? Yeah, so when you come up with something, make sure somebody's willing to pay for it. <laughs> At the end of the day, this is not a hobby. Because right? um, if, if, if you're okay not earning money, then you probably have to be an NGO, sorry. Or, you know, it, it, it's going to be a charity case. It is not bad to earn money, actually. And, and, and the thing is, without money, then uh, you won't be able to actually help people. So the thing is, when you come up with a business model, make sure somebody's going to pay for it. Um, if it's cute, it's nice, it's, it's trend, yeah, that's going you know, to fade in a, in a couple of months, couple of years. Uh, at the end of the day, longevity is determined by profitable companies. So that's one. Um, second, um, don't afraid to change gears. If the market or if your customers are asking you to do something differently, then keep an open mind, and you know, and and, and swing with the punches. No? I, it's not uh, it's not bad if in midstream you change your tap. Um, you're just being practical, and 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 the the best enterprises that uh, survive the long run are those who actually change. Yeah, um, they're the ones who do not get disrupted, and we have a lot of examples of companies that get disrupted because they are just uh, you know, they're just tenacious in holding on to the old ways. And finally, something that I cannot overemphasize, you need to be tenacious uh, in your beliefs. If you feel that what you're fighting for is really correct and right, and right, well, it, it's righteous, go ahead and do that. Don't let failure, you know, get the better of you. Failure is uh, is transient. At the end of the day, when you, when you re-strategize, put your brain power behind the stuff that you will try to do differently, I'm pretty sure that you will succeed. Got that. And I, I really appreciate the idea of tenacity now. It's become, uh, I just want to share that they, there's a really great, for me, you know, my, my dad passed away uh, a couple of months ago. And when they did, and I saw, you know, it was only when I got to see in hindsight what he was able to create as, uh, as a businessman, I didn't realize how tenacious he was because it didn't seem like he was being tenacious because he was like, you know, regular stuff. But you could see, you know, it was part of the DNA. And I'd like to think that that's one of the most key things for our entrepreneurs, aside from everything you talked about and acceptance of failure, is that entrepreneurs really have to be tenacious. Uh, Serge, uh, I'm, I'm giving you the pleasure of rounding out this discussion. I'm sure 
from your own corporate background, there are certain things also that you can share with people uh, running companies uh, and want be, be becoming more efficient to scale it. Uh, what have you learned from both Shell Livewire and from Shell that you can share uh, with our entrepreneurs listening to us here right now? I think if there's anything that's common between um, all of us in this forum is that um, um, Henry um, simply said it, right? The word is um, tenacious. Uh, you know, really being focused on what you want to do, how you want to succeed. I mean, for for a, for a uh, employee like me, how do you go all the way up uh, in the organization, and how? And this is really this really rides on how you want to provide for your family. Yeah, Henry also mentioned that it's not bad to to uh, to profit from it for as long as you don't uh, you know step on people's toes or you don't do it uh, illegally. So if there's anything that's really common is, you know, how do you earn a proper living with what you believe in and how do you stay on track? Got that, got that. And at least if you're able to reconcile it within you, I mean, you can do a great job, whether it's a, you're working for somebody or you're working for yourself. And I think that that's a really great piece of advice. Again, thanks so much, uh, Serge Bernal of Shell Philippines, of course, Shell Livewire. For those who want to participate in Shell Livewire and be one of the possible, you know, don't worry, if you don't, don't worry if you don't qualify the first time around. Henry didn't qualify the first time around. Look, he, he won. He won in Shell Livewire. You can get in touch with them here. It's shell.com.ph slash livewire. And, you know, literally learn from both local and international mentors and have a chance to win uh, 500,000 pesos equity free uh, from Shell and have a chance to be part of the whole Shell value chain. And you get to meet, of course, all the different Livewire alumni. Uh, alumni and who knows where the company will go because your network is your net worth and what a great network you get in Stanley Wire. Again, guys, thank you so much for joining me over here on the RJ Ledesk podcast. We'll see you guys in the next podcast. Again, thanks so much. Uh, Serge Bernal, Shell Philippines, Duro Palagaras Nanotronics and Henry Season Agro Digital PH. We will see you in the next RJ Ledesk podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks, RJ. Thank, thank you. Everyone. Thank you. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. 